0: Chapter 4, Part 2 of Aviation Instructor's Handbook by the FAA. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Training Delivery Methods Today's instructor can choose from a wealth of ways to present instructional material. Lecture, discussion, guided discussion, problem-based, group learning, demonstration performance, or e-learning. It is important to remember that a training delivery method is rarely used by itself. In a typical lesson, an effective instructor normally uses a combination of methods. For example, Bob lectures in the opening scenario, but after giving the students knowledge of how to compute weight and balance, he uses group learning to reinforce the lecture. To be an effective instructor, it is important to determine which teaching methods best convey the information being taught. Lecture Method In the lecture method, the instructor delivers his knowledge via lectures to students who are more or less silent participants. Lectures are best used when an instructor wishes to convey a general understanding of a subject that students lack. While this is the most widely used form of presentation and instructors should know how to develop and present a lecture, they should also understand the advantages and limitations of this method. Lectures are used for introduction of new subjects summarizing ideas, showing relationships between theory and practice, and reemphasizing main points. The lecture method is adaptable to many different settings, including small or large groups. Lectures also may be used to introduce a unit of instruction or a complete training program. Finally, lectures may be combined with other teaching methods to give added meaning and direction. The lecture method of teaching Needs to be very flexible since it may be used in different ways. For example, there are several types of lectures, such as the illustrated talk, where the speaker relies heavily on visual aids to convey ideas to the listeners. With a briefing, the speaker presents a concise array of facts to the listeners who normally do not expect elaboration of supporting material. During a formal lecture, the speaker's purpose is to inform, to persuade, or to entertain with a little or no verbal participation by the students. When using a teaching lecture, the instructor plans and delivers an oral presentation in a manner that allows some participation by the students and helps direct them toward the desired learning outcomes. In general lectures, begin with an introduction of the topic to be discussed. It is also a good idea at this time to let students know whether or not questions during the lecture are welcomed. The body of the lecture follows with a summary of the lecture's main points at the end. Teaching Lecture The teaching lecture is favored by aviation instructors because it allows some active participation by the students. The instructor must determine the method to be used in developing the subject matter. The instructor also should carefully consider the class size and the depth of the presentation. As mentioned in Chapter 3, covering a subject in too much detail is as bad or worse than sketchy coverage. Regardless of the method of development or depth of coverage, the success of the teaching lecture depends on the instructor's ability to communicate effectively with the class. In other methods of teaching, such as demonstration, performance, or guided discussion, The instructor receives direct reaction from the students, either verbally or by some form of body language. However, in the teaching lecture, the feedback is not nearly as obvious and is much harder to interpret. In the teaching lecture, the instructor must develop a keen perception for subtle responses from the class, facial expressions, manner of taking notes, and apparent interest or disinterest in the lesson. The effective instructor is able to interpret the meaning of these reactions and adjust the lesson accordingly. Preparing the Teaching Lecture Careful preparation is one key to successful performance as a classroom lecturer. This preparation should start well in advance of the presentation. The following four steps should be followed in the planning phase of preparation. Establishing the objective and desired outcomes. Researching the subject. Organizing the material, planning productive classroom activities. In all stages of preparing for the teaching lecture, the instructor should support any point to be covered with meaningful examples, comparisons, statistics, or testimony. The instructor should consider that the student may neither believe nor understand any point without the use of testimony from SMEs or without meaningful examples, statistics, or comparisons. While developing the lecture, the instructor also should consider the use of examples and personal experiences related to the subject of the lesson. After completing the preliminary planning and writing of the lesson plan, the instructor should rehearse the lecture to build self-confidence. Rehearsals or dry runs help smooth out the mechanics of using notes, visual aids, and other instructional devices. If possible, the instructor should have another knowledgeable person preferably another instructor observe the practice session and act as a critic this critique helps the instructor judge the adequacy of supporting materials and visual aids as well as the presentation figure four eight suitable language in the teaching lecture simple rather than complex words should be used whenever possible good newspapers offer examples of the effective use of simple words Picturesque slang and free and easy colloquialisms, if they suit the subject, can add variety and vividness to a teaching lecture. The instructor should not, however, use substandard English. Errors in grammar and vulgarisms detract from an instructor's dignity and insult the intelligence of the students. If the subject matter includes technical terms, the instructor should clearly define each one so that no student is in doubt about its meaning. Whenever possible, The instructor should use specific rather than general words for example specific words a leak in the fuel line tell more than the general term mechanical defect another way the instructor can add life to the lecture is to vary his or her tone of voice and pace of speaking in addition using sentences of different length helps since consistent use of short sentences results in a choppy style on the other hand Poorly constructed long sentences are difficult to follow and can easily become tangled. To ensure clarity and variety, the instructor should normally use sentences of short and medium length. Types of Delivery Depending on the requirements of any particular circumstances, a lecture is usually delivered in one of four ways. Reading from a typed or written manuscript, reciting memorized material without the aid of a manuscript, speaking extemporaneously from an outline speaking impromptu without preparation the teaching lecture is probably best delivered in an extemporaneous manner the instructor speaks from a mental or written outline but does not read or memorize the material to be presented because the exact words to express an idea are spontaneous the lecture is more personalized than one that is read or spoken from memory Since the instructor talks directly to the students, their reactions can be readily observed and adjustments can be made based on their responses. The instructor has better control of the situation, can change the approach to meet any contingency, and can tailor each idea to suit the responses of the students. For example, if the instructor realizes from puzzled expressions that a number of students fail to grasp an idea, that point can be further elaborated until the reactions of the students indicate they understand. The extemporaneous presentation reflects the instructor's personal enthusiasm and is more flexible than other methods. For these reasons, it is likely to hold the interest of the students. Use of Notes An instructor who is thoroughly prepared or who has made the presentation before can usually speak effectively without notes. If the lecture has been carefully prepared and the instructor is completely familiar with the outline, there should be no real difficulty notes used wisely can ensure accuracy jog the memory and dispel the fear of forgetting they are essential for reporting complicated information for an instructor who tends to ramble notes are a must because they help keep the lecture on track the instructor who requires notes should use them sparingly and unobtrusively but at the same time should make no effort to hide them from the students notes may be written legibly or typed and they should be placed where they can be consulted easily or held if the instructor walks around the room. Figure 4-9 Formal versus Informal Lectures The lecture may be conducted in either a formal or an informal manner. The informal lecture includes active student participation. The primary consideration in the lecture method, as in all other teaching methods, is the achievement of desired learning outcomes. Learning is best achieved if students participate actively in a friendly, relaxed atmosphere. Therefore, the use of the informal lecture is encouraged. At the same time, it must be realized that a formal lecture is still to be preferred on some subjects and occasions, such as lectures introducing new subject matter. The instructor can achieve active student participation in the informal lecture through the use of questions. In this way, the students are encouraged to make contributions that supplement the lecture. The instructor can use questions to determine the experience and background of the students in order to tailor the lecture to their needs and or to add variety, stimulate interest, and check student understanding. However, it is the instructor's responsibility to plan, organize, develop, and present the major portion of a lesson. Advantages and Disadvantages of the Lecture there are a number of advantages to lectures for example a lecture is a convenient way to instruct large groups if necessary a public address system can be used to amplify the speaker's voice lectures can be used to present information that would be difficult for the students to get in other ways particularly if the students do not have the time required for research or if they do not have access to reference materials Lectures can also usefully and successfully supplement other teaching devices and methods. A brief introductory lecture can give direction and purpose to a demonstration or prepare students for a discussion by telling them something about the subject matter to be covered. In a lecture, the instructor can present many ideas in a relatively short time. Facts and ideas that have been logically organized can be concisely presented in rapid sequence. Lecturing is unquestionably the most economical of all teaching methods in terms of the time required to present a given amount of material. The lecture is particularly suitable for introducing a new subject and for explaining the necessary background information. By using a lecture in this way, the instructor can offer students with varied backgrounds a common understanding of essential principles and facts. Although the lecture method is useful in providing information, it is not an effective method of learning large amounts of information in a short time, nor do lectures easily allow an instructor to estimate student understanding of the material covered. Within a single period, the instructor may unwittingly present more information than students can absorb, and the lecture method provides no accurate means of checking student progress. Many instructors find it difficult to hold the attention of all students in a lecture throughout the class period. To achieve desired learning outcomes through the lecture method, an instructor needs considerable skill in speaking. As indicated in Chapter 2, a student's rate of retention drops off significantly after the first 10 to 15 minutes of a lecture and improves at the end. The pure lecture format also inhibits student participation. Research has shown that learning is an active process. The more involved students are in the process, the better they learn. On the other hand, a student needs knowledge in order to build understanding of a subject. One last disadvantage of the lecture is that it does not foster attainment of certain types of learning outcome, such as motor skills, needing to be perfected via hands-on practice. Thus, an instructor who introduces some form of active student participation in the middle of a lecture greatly increases student retention. One way to increase retention during a lecture is to use the discussion method of training delivery. Discussion Method The discussion method modifies the pure lecture form by using lecture and then discussion to actively integrate the student into the learning process. In the discussion method, the instructor provides a short lecture, no more than 20 minutes in length, which gives basic knowledge to the students. This short lecture is followed by instructor-student and student-student discussion. This method relies on discussion and the exchange of ideas. Everyone has an opportunity to comment, listen, think, and participate. By being actively engaged in discussing the lecture, students improve their recall and ability to use the information in the future. It is important for the instructor to play the part of guide, keeping the discussion focused on the subject matter. That may mean the instructor needs to initiate leading questions, referee if the discussions cause conflict, ensure that all students participate, and at the end, summarize what has been learned. Tying the discussion method into the lecture method not only provides active student participation, but it also allows students to develop higher order thinking skills, HOTS. The give and take of the discussion method It also helps students learn to evaluate ideas, concepts, and principles. When using this method, instructors should keep their own discussion to a minimum since the goal is student participation. Instructors can also use another form of discussion, the guided discussion method, to ensure the student has correctly received and interpreted subject information. Guided Discussion Method The guided discussion method relies on student possession of a level of knowledge about the topic to be discussed, either through reading prior to class or a short lecture to set up the topic to be discussed. This training method employs instructor-guided discussion with the instructor maintaining control of the discussion. It can be used during classroom periods and pre-flight and post-flight briefings. The discussions reflect whatever level of knowledge and experience the students have gained. The goal of guided discussions is to draw out what students know. The instructor should remember that the more intense the discussion and the greater the participation, the more effective the learning. All members of the group should follow the discussion. The instructor should treat everyone impartially, encourage questions, exercise patience and tact, and comment on all responses. Sarcasm and or ridicule should never be used since they inhibit the spontaneity of the participants. In a guided discussion, the instructor guides the discussion with the goal of reinforcing a learning objective related to the lesson. The instructor acts as a facilitator to encourage discussion between students. Use of questions in a guided discussion. In the guided discussion, learning is achieved through skillful use of questions. Questions can be categorized by function and by characteristics. Understanding these distinctions helps the instructor become a more skilled user of questions. The instructor often uses a question to open up an area for a discussion. This is the lead-off question, and its purpose is to get the discussion started. After the discussion develops, the instructor may ask a follow-up question to guide the discussion. The reasons for using a follow-up question may vary. The instructor may want a student to explain something more thoroughly, or may need to bring the discussion back to a point from which it has strayed. In terms of characteristics, questions can be identified as overhead, rhetorical, direct, reverse, and relay. The overhead question is directed to the entire group to stimulate thought and response from each group member. The instructor may use an overhead question to pose the leadoff question. The rhetorical question is similar in nature because it also spurs group thought. However, the instructor provides the answer to the rhetorical question consequently it is more commonly used in lecturing than in guided discussion the instructor who wants to phrase a question for follow-up purposes may choose the overhead type if however a response is desired from a specific individual a direct question may be asked of that student a reverse question is a question asked by a learner and the instructor returns the question to the same learner for response a relay question is asked by a learner And the instructor requests another student to respond questions are so much a part of teaching that they are often taken for granted effective use of questions may result in more student learning than any other single technique used by instructors instructors should avoid questions that can be answered by short factual statements or yes or no responses and ask open-ended questions that are thought-provoking and require more mental activity Since most aviation training is at the understanding level of learning or higher, questions should require students to grasp concepts, explain similarities and differences, and to infer cause and effect relationships. Figure 4-10 Planning a Guided Discussion Planning a Guided Discussion is similar to planning a lecture. Instructors will find the following suggestions helpful in planning a discussion lesson. Note that these same suggestions include many that are appropriate for planning cooperative learning to be discussed later in the chapter. Select a topic the students can profitably discuss. Unless the students have some knowledge to exchange with each other, they cannot reach the desired learning outcomes by the discussion method. If necessary, make assignments that give the students an adequate background for discussing the lesson topic. Establish a specific lesson objective with desired learning outcomes. Through discussion, the students develop an understanding of the subject by sharing knowledge, experiences, and backgrounds. Consequently, the objective normally is stated at the understanding level of learning. The desired learning outcomes should stem from the objective. Conduct adequate research to become familiar with a topic. While researching, the instructor should always be alert for ideas on the best way to tailor a lesson for a particular group of students. Similarly, the instructor can prepare the pre-discussion assignment more effectively while conducting research for the classroom period. During this research process, the instructor should also earmark reading material that appears to be especially appropriate as background material for students. Such material should be well organized and based on fundamentals. Organize the main and subordinate points of the lesson in a logical sequence. The guided discussion has three main parts, introduction, discussion, and conclusion. The introduction consists of three elements, attention, motivation, and overview. In the discussion, the instructor should be certain that the main points discussed build logically with the objective. The conclusion consists of the summary of the main points, By organizing in this manner, the instructor phrases the questions to help the students obtain a firm grasp of the subject matter and to minimize the possibility of a rambling discussion. Plan at least one lead-off question for each desired learning outcome. In preparing questions, the instructor should remember that the purpose is to stimulate discussion, not merely to get answers. Lead-off questions should usually begin with how or why. For example, it is better to ask, why does an aircraft normally require a longer takeoff run at Denver than at New Orleans? Instead of, would you expect an aircraft to require a longer takeoff run at Denver or New Orleans? Students can answer the second question by merely saying Denver, but the first question is likely to start a discussion of air density, engine efficiency, and the effect of temperature on performance. Student Preparation for a Guided Discussion It is the instructor's responsibility to help students prepare themselves for the discussion. Each student should be encouraged to accept responsibility for contributing to the discussion and benefiting from it. Throughout the time the instructor prepares the students for their discussion, they should be made aware of the lesson objectives. In certain instances, the instructor has no opportunity to assign preliminary work and must face the students for the first time in such cases it is practical and advisable to give the students a brief general survey of the topic during the introduction normally students should not be asked to discuss a subject without some background in that subject guiding a discussion instructor technique the techniques used to guide a discussion require practice and experience the instructor needs to keep up with the discussion and know when to intervene with questions or redirect the group's focus The following information provides a framework for successfully conducting the guided discussion. Introduction A guided discussion lesson is introduced in the same manner as the lecture. The introduction should include an attention element, a motivation element, and an overview of key points. To encourage enthusiasm and stimulate the discussion, the instructor should create a relaxed, informal atmosphere. Each student should be given the opportunity to discuss the various aspects of the subject and feel free to do so. Moreover, the student should feel a personal responsibility to contribute. The instructor should try to make the students feel that their ideas and active participation are wanted and needed. Discussion. The instructor opens the discussion by asking one of the prepared lead-off questions. Discussion questions should be easy for students to understand put forth decisively by the instructor, and followed by silence. An instructor should be patient and give students a chance to react. While the instructor should have the answer in mind before asking the question, the students need to think about the question before answering. Keep in mind that it takes time to recall data, determine how to answer, or to think of an example. The more difficult the question, the more time the students need to answer if the instructor sees puzzled expressions denoting the students do not understand the question it should be rephrased in a slightly different form the nature of the questions should be determined by the lesson objective and desired learning outcomes once the discussion is underway, the instructor should listen attentively to the ideas experiences and examples contributed by the students during the discussion remember that during the preparation The instructor listed some of the anticipated responses that would, if discussed by the students, indicate they had a firm grasp on the subject. As the discussion proceeds, the instructor may find it necessary to guide the direction to stimulate the students to explore the subject in greater depth or encourage them to discuss the topic in more detail. By using how and why follow-up questions, the instructor should be able to guide the discussion toward the objective of helping students understand the subject. When it appears the students have discussed the ideas that support this particular part of the lesson, the instructor should summarize what the students have accomplished using an interim summary. This type of summary is one of the most effective tools available to the instructor. It can be made immediately after the discussion of each learning outcome to bring ideas together and help in transition showing how the ideas developed by the group relate to and support the idea discussed. The interim summary may be omitted after discussing the last learning outcome when it is more expedient for the instructor to present the first part of the conclusion. An interim summary reinforces learning in relation to a specific learning outcome. In addition to its use as a summary and transitional device, the interim summary may also be used to keep the group on the subject or divert the discussion to another member. Conclusion. A guided discussion is closed by summarizing the material covered. In the conclusion, the instructor should tie together the various points or topics discussed and show the relationships between the facts brought forth and the practical application of these facts. For example, in concluding a discussion on density altitude, An instructor might give a fairly complete description of an accident which occurred due to a pilot attempting to take off in an overloaded airplane from a short runway at a high-altitude airport on a hot day. The summary should be succinct, but not incomplete. If the discussion has revealed that certain areas are not understood by one or more members of the group, the instructor should clarify or cover this material again. Advantages as with any training method that involves discussion students are encouraged to listen to and learn from their instructor and or each other also as mentioned earlier discussion involves critical thinking skill open-ended questions of the type used in guided discussion lend themselves readily to concepts of risk management and adm the constant use of what if discussions Provide the student with increased exposure to proper decision-making. From the description of guided discussion, it is obvious this method works best in a group situation, but it can be modified for an interactive one-on-one learning situation, Figure 4 Planning the guided discussion, as well as learning how to ask the type of questions used in guided discussions, are assets to any aviation instructor. Problem-Based Learning In 1966, the McMaster University School of Medicine in Canada pioneered a new approach to teaching and curriculum design called Problem-Based Learning, PBL. In the intervening years, PBL has helped shift the focus of learning from an instructor-centered approach to a student-centered approach. See Appendix F. There are many definitions for PBL, but for the purposes of this handbook, It is defined as the type of learning environment in which lessons are structured in such a way as to confront students with problems encountered in real life that force them to reach real-world solutions. PBL starts with a carefully constructed problem to which there is no single solution. The benefit of PBL lies in helping the learner gain a deeper understanding of the information and in the learner improving his or her ability to recall the information. This results when the material is presented as an authentic problem in a situated environment that allows the learner to make meaning of the information based on his or her experience and personal interpretation. This type of problem encourages the development of HOTS, which include cognitive processes such as problem-solving and decision-making, as well as the cognitive skills of analysis, synthesis, and evaluation. Developing good problems that motivate, focus, and initiate student learning are an important component of PBL. Effective problems, relate to the real world so students want to solve them, require students to make decisions, are open-ended and not limited to one correct answer, are connected to previously learned knowledge as well as new knowledge, reflect lesson objectives, challenge students to think critically. Teaching Higher Order Thinking Skills H-O-T-S. Risk Management, ADM, Automation Management, Situational Awareness, and Controlled Flight into Terrain C-F-I-T, Awareness are the skills encompassed by HOTS. To teach the cognitive skills needed in making decisions and judgments effectively, an instructor should incorporate analysis synthesis and evaluation into lessons using PBL. HOTS should be taught throughout the curriculum from simple to complex and from concrete to abstract. Basic approach to teaching HOTS 1. Set up the problem 2. Determine outcomes for the problem 3. Solve the problem or task 4. Reflect on problem-solving process 5. Consider additional solutions through guided discovery. 6. Reevaluate solution with additional options. 7. Reflect on this solution and why it is the best solution. 8. Consider what best means. Is it situational? Types of problem based instruction. While there are many variations to how a problem based lesson might work, it usually involves an incentive or need to solve the problem a decision on how to find a solution, a possible solution, an explanation for the reasons used to reach that solution, and then reflection on the solution. Three types of problem-based instruction are discussed, scenario-based, collaborative problem-solving, and case study. Scenario-Based Training Method, SBT. SBT uses a highly structured script of real-world experiences to address aviation training objectives in an operational environment. It is a realistic situation that allows the student to rehearse mentally for a situation and requires practical application of various bits of knowledge. Such training can include initial training, transition training, upgrade training, recurrent training, and special training. Because improper pilot decisions cause a significant percentage of all accidents and the majority of fatal accidents in light, single, and twin-engine aircraft, SBT challenges the student or transitioning pilot with a variety of flight scenarios with the goal of reducing accidents. These scenarios require the pilot to manage the resources available in the flight deck, exercise sound judgment, and make timely decisions. Since it has been documented that students learn more effectively when actively involved in the learning process, SBT is also used to train AMTs. The aviation instructor is the key to successful SBT, and the overall learning objective in this method of training delivery is for the student to be more ready to exercise sound judgment and make good decisions. The scenario may not have one right or wrong answer, which reflects situations faced in the real world. It is important for the instructor to understand in advance which outcomes are positive and are negative and give the student freedom to make both good and poor decisions without jeopardizing safety this allows the student to make decisions that fit his or her experience level and results in positive outcomes once the class has mastered the ability to compute weight and balance Bob decides to give them the following scenario with the objective of teaching them how to reconfigure weight and balance in the real world. A customer wants a tail strobe light installed in his Piper Cherokee 180. How will this installation affect the weight and balance of the aircraft? Since the student must remove the position light, install a power supply, and also install the tail strobe light, he or she needs to make several decisions that affect the final weight and balance of the aircraft. The real-world problem forces the student to analyze, evaluate, and make decisions about the procedures required. For the flight instructor, a good scenario tells a story that begins with a reason to fly because the pilot's decisions differ depending on the motivation to fly. For example, Mark's closest friends bought him a ticket for a playoff game at their alma mater, and they paid him to rent an airplane. He is flying the four of them to the big football game. Another friend is planning to meet them at the airport and drive everyone to the game and back. Mark has strong motivation to fly his friends to the game, so he keys up College Airport AWOS, which reports clear and unrestricted visibility. His flight is a go, yet 15 miles from College Airport. He descends to 1,000 feet to stay below the lowering clouds and encounters rain and lowering visibility to three miles. The terrain is flat farmland with no published obstacles. What will he do now? Remember, a good in-flight scenario is more than an hour of flight time. It is also a learning experience. SBT is a powerful tool because the future is unpredictable, and there is no way to train a pilot for every combination of events that may happen in the future. A good scenario is not a test, will not have one right answer, does not offer an obvious answer, should not promote errors, and should promote situational awareness and opportunities for decision-making. Collaborative Problem Solving Method. Collaboration, two or more people working together to solve problems, has been used throughout time. In education, the Collaborative Problem Solving Method combines collaboration with problem solving when the instructor provides a problem to a group who then solves it. The instructor provides assistance when needed but he or she needs to remember that learning to solve the problem or task without assistance is part of the learning process. This method uses collaboration and can be modified for an interactive one-on-one learning situation such as an independent aviation instructor might encounter. The instructor provides the problem to the student, offering only limited assistance as the student solves it, by participating in finding solutions. Once again, open-ended what-if problems encourage the students with an opportunity to develop HOTS. Case Study Method A case study is a written or oral account of a real-world situation that contains a message that educates the student. An increasingly popular form of teaching, the case study contains a story relative to the student that forces him or her to deal with situations encountered in real life. The instructor presents the case to the students who then analyze it, come to conclusions, and offer possible solutions. Effective case studies require the student to use critical thinking skills. An excellent source of real-world case studies for flight instructors can be found at the National Transportation Safety Board, NTSB, where descriptions of more than 140,000 aviation accidents are located. By removing the NTSB's Determination of Probable Cause, a flight instructor can use the description as a case study. The following paragraph is an example of one such accident. The private pilot was on a Visual Flight Rules VFR cross-country flight when he began encountering instrument conditions. The pilot continued into instrument conditions for about 30 minutes before asking Atlanta Approach Control for directions to the nearest airport for landing. The controller directed the pilot to two different nearby airports, but both were below minimums. The pilot informed the controller that he was low on fuel and needed to land as soon as possible. The controller directed the pilot to the Columbus Metropolitan Airport, Columbus, Georgia. The pilot told the controllers that he would attempt an instrument approach. The pilot attempted four unsuccessful approaches, with the controllers talking him through each approach. On the fifth approach, at five miles from the runway, the pilot stated that both engines quit due to fuel exhaustion. The pilot called mayday, and, during forced landing, the airplane collided with trees and the ground, separating the right wing, half of the left wing, and coming to rest inverted. The pilot did not report any mechanical deficiencies in the airplane during the attempted approaches. Injuries, one serious, one minor, one uninjured. The flight instructor has the student analyze the information and suggest possible reasons for the accident. The instructor then shares the NTSB's determination of probable cause. The pilot's inadequate decision to continue VFR flight into IMC conditions, which resulted in a loss of engine power due to fuel exhaustion, which can lead to further discussions of how to avoid this type of accident. Accident data is available at NTSB's Aviation Accident Database and synopses at www.ntsb.gov slash ntsb slash query dot asp slash. Electronic Learning, e-learning. Electronic learning or e-learning has become an umbrella term for any type of education that involves an electronic component such as the internet, a network, a standalone computer, CD DVDs, video conferencing, websites, or email in its delivery. Figure 4-12. E-learning comes in many formats. It can be a standalone software program that takes a learner from lecture to exam, or it can be an interactive web-based course of instruction that involves a mixture of mandatory class attendance with email discussions and assignments. E-learning can be as basic as an online college course taken via email or as sophisticated as refining flight techniques in a helicopter simulator. Time flexible, cost competitive, learner-centered, easily updated, accessible anytime and anywhere, e-learning has many advantages that make it a popular addition to the field of education. Predictions are that more and more learning will take place via e-learning. E-learning is now used for training at many different levels. For example, technology flight training devices and flight simulators are used by everyone from flight schools to major airlines, as well as the military. Fixed-based operators, FBOs, who offer instrument training may use personal computer-based aviation training devices, PCATDs, or flight training devices, FTDs for a portion of the instrument time a pilot needs for the instrument rating major airlines have high-level flight simulators that are so realistic that transitioning crews meet all qualifications in the flight simulator likewise military pilots use flight training devices or flight simulators to prepare for flying aircraft such as the a-10 for which there are no two-seat training versions With e-learning, sophisticated databases can organize vast amounts of information that can be quickly sorted, searched, found, and cross-indexed. Due to the active nature of e-learning, the overall learning process is enhanced in several ways. Well-designed programs allow students to feel as if they are in control of what they are learning and how fast they learn it. They can explore areas that interest them and discover more about a subject on their own. In addition, e-learning often seems more enjoyable than learning from a regular classroom lecture. The advantages are less time spent on instruction compared to traditional classroom training and higher levels of mastery and retention. Distance learning, or the use of electronic media to deliver the instruction when the instructor and student are separated, is another advantage of e-learning. Participants in a class may be located on different continents, yet share the same teaching experience. Distance learning may also be defined as a system and process that connects students with resources for learning. As sources for access to information expand, the possibilities for distance learning increases. While e-learning has many training advantages, it also has limitations which can include the lack of peer interaction and personal feedback depending on what method of e-learning is used. For the instructor, maintaining control of the learning situation may be difficult. It may also be difficult to find good programs for certain subjects, and the expense associated with equipment, software, and facilities must be considered. In addition, instructors and students may lack sufficient experience with personal computers to take full advantage of the software programs that are available. Improper or excessive use of e-learning should be avoided. For example, a flight instructor should not rely exclusively on a software program on traffic patterns and landings to do the ground instruction for a student pilot, then expect the student to demonstrate patterns and landings in the aircraft. Likewise, it would be unfair to expect a maintenance student to safely and properly perform a compression check on an aircraft if the student received only e-learning. Along with the many types of e-learning, there are a variety of terms used to describe educational use of the computer. While there are subtle nuances to the different terms, which include computer-assisted learning, C-A-L, computer-assisted instruction, C-A-I, computer-based training, C-B-T, and computer-based instruction, C-B-I, this handbook will use the term computer-assisted learning in the following discussion. Computer Assisted Learning, CAL, Method Computer Assisted Learning, CAL, couples the personal computer, PC, with multimedia software to create a training device. For example, major aircraft manufacturers have developed CAL programs to teach aircraft systems and maintenance procedures to their employees, reducing the amount of manpower necessary to train air crews and maintenance technicians on the new equipment. End users of the aircraft, such as major airlines, can purchase the training materials with the aircraft in order to accomplish both initial and recurrent training of their personnel. Major advantages of CAL are that students can progress at a rate which is comfortable for them and are often able to access the CAL at their own convenience. Another benefit of CAL is the test prep study guides, useful for preparation for the FAA knowledge tests. These programs typically allow the students to select a test, complete the questions, and find out how they did on the test. The student may then conduct a review of questions missed. Some of the more advanced CAL applications allow students to progress through a series of interactive segments, where the presentation varies as a result of their responses. If students wish to learn about a particular area, they do so by clicking the mouse on a particular portion of the screen. They can focus on the area they either need to study or want to study. For example, a maintenance student who wants to find information on the refueling of a specific aircraft could use a CAL program to access the refueling section and study the entire procedure. If a student wishes to repeat a section or a portion of the section, it can be done at any time merely by clicking on the appropriate icon. In teaching aviation students, CAL can be used by the instructor as another type of reference for students to study. Just as a student can reread a section in a text, a student can review portions of a CAL program until it is understood. The instructor must continue to monitor and evaluate the progress of the student as usual. This is necessary to be certain a student is on track with the training syllabus. At times, instructors may feel they are doing more one-on-one instruction than in a normal classroom setting but repetitive forms of teaching may be accomplished by computer. This actually gives this instructor more time for one-on-one teaching. Remember, the computer has no way of knowing when a student is having difficulty, and it will always be the responsibility of the instructor to provide monitoring and oversight of student progress and to intervene when necessary. Figure 4-13. Real interactivity with CAL means the student is fully engaged with the instruction by doing something meaningful which makes the subject of study come alive. For example, the student controls the pace of instruction, reviews previous material, jumps forward, and receives instant feedback. With advanced tracking features, CAL can also be used to test the student's achievement, compare the results with past performance, and indicate the student's weak or strong areas. For most aviation training, the computer should be thought of as a valuable instructional aid and entrusting an entire aviation training program to a computer is not practical. Even airline simulator programs require tailoring and hands-on interaction with a human instructor. On the other hand, CAL is a useful tool for aviation instructors. For example, in teaching aviation maintenance, CAL programs produced by a variety of aircraft manufacturers can be used to expose students to equipment not normally found at a maintenance school. Another use of computers would allow students to review procedures at their own pace while the instructor is involved in hands-on training with other students. The major advantage of CAL is that it is interactive. The computer responds in different ways depending on student input. When using CAL, the instructor should remain actively involved with the students by using close supervision, questions, examinations, quizzes, or guided discussions on the subject matter to constantly assess student progress simulation role-playing and video gaming simulation the appearance of real life role-playing playing a specific role in the context of a real-world situation and video gaming have taken e-learning in new directions figure 4 the popularity of simulation games that provide players with complex situations and opportunities to learn have drawn educators into the gaming field as they seek interactive educational games that help students retain subject matter learning. The advantages of simulation slash role-playing games come as the student learns new information, develops skills, connects, and manipulates information. The game gives the learner a stake in the outcome by putting the learner into the shoes of a character, role-playing, who needs to overcome a real-world scenario. Learning evolves as a result of the students' interactions with the game, and these games usually promote the development of critical thinking skills. Not every aviation learning objective can be delivered via this teaching method, but it should prove to be a useful tool in the instructor's toolbox as the number and content of educational games increase. End of part two of chapter four.